Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll hear from Dr. Jake Hebert, physicist and research associate with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Hebert. A lot of Christians wonder about the subject of an ice age. Was there an ice age or ages in Earth history? If so, how many were there, and how do they fit into biblical history? Well, there's very good geological evidence that there was at least one ice age. When glaciers retreat, they leave behind certain geological features, things like moraines, uh, glacial debris, things like that. But we also see these features at much lower latitudes where today there are no glaciers. And so that's a very strong argument that glaciers once were much larger than they are today. So today the ice covers about 10% of Earth's land surface But there are good reasons to believe that at least 30% of Earth's land surface was once covered by ice. Now, this may surprise a lot of people, but secular scientists have a very hard time explaining an ice age. Now, you might be surprised to hear that because they're always talking about this ice age or that ice age or this ice age so many millions of years ago. But this is something they really have a hard time explaining. Now, the one theory that's become extremely popular in recent years is called the Milankovitch or Astronomical Theory of Ice Ages. And basically, this theory involves the fact that secular scientists believe that the solar system is billions of years old. And currently, Earth's axis, its rotational axis, is tilted at about 23 and a half degrees. But that tilt of that axis is slowly changing over time, very, very slowly. And the shape of the Earth's orbit is very slowly changing. And the Earth's axis is slowly wobbling. And because secular scientists believe the solar system is billions of years old, they feel free to run the numbers backwards, if you will, and to calculate those motions backwards hundreds of thousands and even millions of years into the past. And as a result of those very subtle motions, you get variations in the way that sunlight is distributed on the Earth. Uh, both with latitude and with season. And most of them think that the sunlight falling on the northern high latitudes, that's what's important uh, because that's where you have the big ice sheets. And so they think when you have more summer sunlight falling on those northern high latitudes, the ice sheets retreat. The ice gets smaller and you have a warmer period, what they would call an interglacial. And then there are times where there's less of that summer sunlight falling on those northern high latitudes. And so they think the ice expands, it gets bigger, and you get an ice age. And so in a nutshell, that's what they think is the triggering mechanism for ice ages. One of the big problems with this theory is that these are very subtle changes in the amount of sunlight, the way the sunlight is distributed. And it's hard to see how that by itself could cause an ice age or ages. 
And so they have to invoke these other mechanisms to amplify these subtle changes in order to get this to work, but they really haven't pinned down what those other mechanisms are. And I have been studying uh, this subject for quite some time, studying the way that secular scientists date the seafloor sediments and the ice cores, and I've been studying the way that the astronomical theory plays a big role in that. And one of the main reasons that people have become so convinced of this theory is because of an iconic paper that was published in the journal Science in 1976. It's called The Pacemaker of the Ice Ages. Uh, one thing that I found that's a problem with this paper is that the reason they became convinced that this theory was correct was because the secular scientists examined these chemical wiggles in these sediment cores, these deep sea sediment cores that had been extracted from the Indian Ocean. And so those wiggles seem to be telling a story about climate change, if you will, and that seemed to agree with the Milankovitch theory. Well, one of the things that I found out is that when they did their analysis, they excluded nearly a third of the data from the second core. And their justification for doing so, if you ask me, seems pretty flaky. But an even bigger problem, one that's even more shocking, and I think many people don't realize this, not even most scientists, but in order to get those results, they had to use an age for the most recent magnetic reversal that they themselves no longer accept as valid. Now, there have been times when Earth's magnetic field has flipped in the past. Creation scientists believe this happened during the Genesis flood, and there is a very strong evidence that these reversals occurred very rapidly. Uh, evidence that the secular scientists themselves have found, but nevertheless, they claim that these reversals happened hundreds of thousands and even millions of years ago. Well, when they did this analysis, they claimed that that reversal happened 700,000 years ago. Well, it turns out they no longer believe that. They now claim that it's 780,000 years ago. And so I'm wondering to myself, I wonder what would happen if we were to go back, redo the calculations exactly the same way, but using this new number. But that raises a question. Well, how do you explain an ice age? If there's strong evidence for an ice age, how do you explain it? And we want to talk about that in our second segment. Let's take a short break. Stay with us. The design of the human body inspires awe and fascination, and for good reason. It's made up of so many different parts and systems, all working together for a greater purpose. Check out our book, Guide to the Human Body, to discover astonishing facts about the construction of the cell, the mechanics of hands and feet, and the incredible abilities of the brain. Published by the Institute for Creation Research, Guide to the Human Body will answer questions you didn't even know you had. How do our eyes give us sight? How does a baby take its first breath? What happens to the human body in outer space? Guide to the Human Body's full-color images and easy-to-read format shows our amazing design points to the ultimate designer, God. Order your copy from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Hebert. So if there is strong geological evidence that there was an ice age, but the secular theories don't work, how do Christians explain an ice age? Well, the Genesis flood 
gives us a very powerful, convincing mechanism for explaining an ice age. And this theory was worked out by creation scientist Mike Ord uh, a number of years ago, and we can't do justice to his model in this short radio segment. But we can give you a quick overview of his model. And so I've come up with an acrostic uh, to help people remember the key points, and that acrostic is HEAT, H-E-A-T. And the H stands for hot oceans, because during the Genesis flood, you're going to have enormous amounts of seafloor spreading. You're going to have a lot of volcanic activity, and that is going to significantly warm the oceans. We're talking around 10 degrees Celsius, maybe more. And as a result of those hot oceans, you're going to get a lot of evaporation from the oceans. Uh, so the E stands for evaporation. That evaporation is going to put much more moisture into the atmosphere. And so you're going to get a lot more precipitation, including more snow at high latitudes and elevations. And so what that's going to do is that's going to start resulting in the formation of these thick ice sheets. Now, in order to get ice sheets to form, you need the snow and ice not to melt during the summer. So how does that work? Well, one way to get that to happen is to have more snowfall, which is going to be provided by the evaporation from these hot oceans, but you also need cooler summers. That's obvious, right? If you don't want the snow and ice to melt during the summer, the summers have to be cooler. So how do you get that? Well, during the flood, particularly toward the end of the flood, you're going to have an enormous amount of volcanic activity. And that volcanic activity is going to continue sporadically for many years afterward. It's, it's not going to come to a screeching halt once Noah and his family get off the ark, because the earth is still reeling from this cataclysm. And these volcanic eruptions are going to put many aerosols uh, up into the atmosphere, and those aerosols are going to reflect sunlight and give you a cooling effect. And we know from observations, uh, when we've had, we've had some recent large volcanic eruptions, you get this cooling effect, and that cooling effect is greatest during the summer and autumn months. So these aerosols will give you the cooling you need to keep the snow and ice from melting. And so you will have a layer of snow from the previous winter, and then it doesn't melt during the summer. And the next winter, you get some more snow, and it doesn't melt the following summer. And then in the next winter, you get still more snow. And so eventually, you have this snow and ice building up, and you get these thick ice sheets. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, that sounds fairly straightforward, and in a way it is. So why do secular scientists have such a problem with this? Well, because you need something truly catastrophic to get this to work. Um, warming the oceans by that much would require an enormous amount of energy. And of course, with something like the flood, uh, that could certainly provide the energy for it. But since they don't believe in the flood, they're left without a mechanism for getting those kind of temperatures for the ocean. And there's another problem uh, another reason that they have trouble explaining this, and that involves the volcanoes. You see, both creation and secular scientists recognize that there have been enormous amounts of volcanic activity in Earth history, uh, volcanic eruptions that dwarf anything we see today. So if everybody knows that, and if everybody agrees, because we know we've seen this happen, that these volcanic eruptions particularly explosive volcanic eruptions, can cause this global cooling, well, why can't secular scientists make better use of these volcanic eruptions in explaining an ice age? And it's because of the final element of our acrostic, and that's T. 
It's time. You see, you need a short time scale to get this to work. Because the secular scientists believe that these volcanic eruptions are separated by thousands and even millions of years, the cooling effect is so diluted over time that it doesn't do anything. So in order for this to work, those volcanic eruptions have to occur close together in time. And for that, you need the short biblical timescale. So you see, that's how this works. That's the, an overview of how the Bible explains an ice age. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.